السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ ریسنٹلی ویری ریسنٹلی آئی واز ڈیلنگ وتھ ا ا کلائنٹ ہو از بین ا کلائنٹ آف مائن فار اوور 35 ایئرز اینڈ ہی از ون آف دی برائٹسٹ مین آئی ایور میٹ ہاؤور ہیز ایٹی فور ایئرز اولڈ ناؤ اینڈ his memory isn't what it used to be. Uh, here's a man who is used to always being right Oops. and never making uh, mistakes and being incredibly methodical in the way he went over things over and over and over and over uh, to make sure he was right. And when he came to me and told me something was so-and-so, I uh, could pretty well rely on it uh, because I knew uh, of the way he approached things. Recently, he's had a situation where his memory is faulty, his logic is faulty, but his stubbornness as to being right hasn't altered one bit. <laughs> and it's, an, it's, it's a very interesting thing to watch. Because you see the deterioration of the faculties and the inability to come to appropriate conclusions. But you also see the absolute insistence that the conclusions are correct. Really interesting. Because that's what all of us do, no matter what stage of life we're in. Uh... And no matter uh, what the situation is, unless we've somehow changed into someone or something that understands the foibles of this worldly existence. As long as we give the kind of credence and the... to, to that which is visible... And we believe that it's a non-shifting, non-eroding um, thing. We can't fully understand reality. Because that which we look at changes. And, and goes through different forms and loses its sameness. over time. In other words, it can't remain as it is in the future. Something happens to it. Something erodes it. It somehow begins to disappear. Now, in Sufism, we talk about the haq, the haqiqat, the level of reality. The level where things are not changing. The level where things remain and are real, as opposed to illusory, as opposed to losing their form, as opposed to altering, as opposed to dissipating. To change our focus from the temporal to the eternal, 
is the point of this path. And as long as we keep our focus on the worldly, what happened to my client is going to happen to each of us. We're going to keep insisting that things are a certain way when everybody around us sees that they're not. In a real, in a real scenario actually involving the temporal, uh, we're going to lose touch. When you see people who've lost touch and you realize that that's the path we're slowly traveling to, you begin to also realize simultaneously the relevance and irrelevance of being in touch with certain things. So the question is, what is it that we want to be in touch with and what is going to sustain us as the world leaves us and as our ability to manipulate the world leaves us. What is it that can stay with us then? Hak is a name of God and it means the real. Now, how do we find the real? How do we get in touch with the real? Where can the real be seen in the world? It can be seen in lots of places, but I want to focus on a specific manifestation of the real. Hawk manifests in individuals who have aligned their being with the Hawk, for instance. In our experience, we met a man whose name was Bawa Muhayyadeen, and he was a manifestation of reality. Now, that meant that when you saw him you saw reality because he represented that which was immutable, that which didn't change, that which was eternal. He represented it as a manifestation in this world. And when you looked at him, you could sense it, you could feel it, you could smell it, you could hear it, your senses became overwhelmed by it, but it went deeper than your senses. It went to the core of what you know, and you knew that you were in the presence of something that was not ordinary within the world. The reality is that it is ordinary in the world, because as I look at all of you, I am looking at the hawk. As you look at me, you are looking at the hawk. The problem is that we don't recognize it and that we can't see it. When we look out at the world, we are looking at that which the Creator created as a translator for Himself. So, 
as we look at things, what is the belief system that we look at things with? When I look at you, do I see your education, your degrees, your name, or do I see a creation of Allah in which he has blown his breath and put a portion of his mystery inside? Do I see him or do I see what I consider to be you? And when we look at each other, we have to ask that same kind of question. What do we see? And if we're able to see the haq externally in the people around us, do we see the haq in ourselves? Do we feel the haq in ourselves? Are we in touch with the reality within us? And if we are, do we treat ourselves appropriately? Because everything begins with how we react to ourselves. Do we take the care with ourselves that's appropriate for the haq? In other words, imagine Baumahayadeen was in this room. How would you react to him? How would you treat him? Next question. Imagine Baumahayadeen was in you. How do you treat yourselves? Do you give yourselves the same kind of respect that you would give to him? Do you give yourselves the same kind of reverence that you would give to him or give to somebody of that status and that stature? When we meet people in the street, how do we react to them? If you can't treat yourself well, if you don't trust yourself, if you don't have reverence for your own being, you are not going to have reverence for others because you're not capable of it. We have to become capable of revering the God in everyone. And it begins with revering the God in ourselves. Now, this means instituting a belief system that accepts that reality. This means actually believing that the people that we're acquainted with have God within them and the ability to actually show that. And even if they don't show that, we need to know and believe that deep within them, sometimes hidden, sometimes not, this exists. Baumahayadeen once while scolding somebody for all of their inappropriate actions ended the comments with, but that doesn't make me any better than you. The point being that we're all created equal. The Constitution or the Declaration of Independence, wherever it says that, got it right. The point is, do we believe it? Do we believe 
that we're all created equal. And if we do, do we treat everybody else equally? Do we treat ourselves equally to what we treat everybody else? Do we, are, we, are we stuck in the world of praise and blame, in the world of high and low, in the world of differences? Or have we done away with them so that we understand that it's only when we create within ourselves a vision that sees Hawk constantly can we elevate ourselves out of the deterioration that's going to come by believing in the illusion of material things. And having this kind of a mindset and maintaining it is very difficult because the whole point of the nafs is to stop you from having that mindset. Satan's work is to stop you from having that mindset, from having that belief system, from having that faith, from creating that kind of a certitude and determination into the way things are. The struggle is really whether we believe in God or we believe in the world. And if we believe in God, we can't just say that we testify, that we believe that God is one. And I find this an interesting uh, phenomenon. In the Salat, in the morning prayer, uh, the Salat, as it's recited, is actually a recreation of the mirage. Uh, the travel by the prophet uh, in his ascendancy. And as you go through the different portions of the prayer, the different portions are the different characters involved in the mirage speaking. The angels speak, uh, the prophet speaks, and the angels respond, Ashadu ala ilaha illallah, Ashadu na Muhammad Rasulullah. So the angels witness that they know that God is God and Muhammad is his prophet. Well, people have taken on that same witnessing. But the question is, who's seen God? Who knows the prophet? When you say you witness that God is God, could you get up in a courtroom and give that as a true witness? Can you say, I actually witness God is God? I actually witness that Muhammad is his prophet? Or are we really saying this is the system that we've given our allegiance to? And this is a way of expressing our allegiance. And these words don't really mean what these words say. They're just our way of showing an allegiance. And we'll do what's necessary to maintain that allegiance. Can we alter from being somebody who's joining a club 
and saying the ritual words to get into the club to actually saying words that explain our existence and can that explanation of our existence actually be in line with those words in order for that reality of those words to be the reality of your life you have to see Hawk you have to see the manifestation of Hawk you have to believe that God is everywhere and in everything and that you're cognizant of him and that you see him and that you acknowledge him and if your actions are inappropriate for that kind of cognition then that means that that's not what you're seeing that's just what you're saying imagine if you would Muhammad's may peace and blessings be upon him actions while he was on the mirage imagine what he went through when he reached those various stages we're put through that if we do salat every day why to attempt to elevate our being to that state our consciousness to that state our reality to that state so do we actually maintain that state during our waking hours as we encounter people how do we act as we meet strangers how do we act as we meet those who are higher than us how do we act as we meet those who in worldly terms are lower than us how do we act what applies to us the rules of the world or the rules of the hawk in the presence of someone who's a constant reminder of the hawk um, this becomes something that you're constantly confronted with however even for those who knew someone who was a constant reminder of Hawk there is a danger that they departmentalize their lives quite simply when they're with the Hawk they're with the Hawk and when they're with Satan they're with Satan it's like having seven wives and 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 having a different personality for each one of them we have the danger in our being that our lives become departmentalized each one of our nafs is a different department and each one of our nafs takes us in a different direction and when one of these nafs becomes the center or the core of our consciousness the rest of our consciousness is blocked out and until the higher part of ourselves 
gets back in control, that's who we become. So part of this work is to integrate ourselves so that all these different consciousness sort of fall away until we become one centered being. And that centered being is so powerful that it can ward off all of the attacks on its consciousness. It can ward off all of the disbelievers within us that try to break that belief system, that try to break that consciousness. And this happens in many, many different ways. But what you should know is nobody knows you better than your nephs. Nobody knows your weaknesses better than your nephs. Nobody knows how you're going to react to something better than your nephs. Nobody can push your buttons better than your nephs. Nobody can do it easier. Your nephs are closer to you than your wife or your husband or your mother or father or siblings because they live inside of you. They know how you think. They know all your thoughts. They know all your history. They know everything. And they will use everything against you. It's like the warning when you're arrested. Anything you say will be held against you. The reality is that your nafs will hold everything against you and they will use it in order to manipulate you, to get you to do what they want you to do. And they will not forgive you. Nafs don't forgive. So anything that happened years ago that's shameful, and we all have something that happened years ago that's shameful, will be brought up and say, yeah? You think you're part of the hawk? Look at this! And they know it! They know all of it! So they're constantly trying to demean you. You have to understand this trick. You have to understand how it can affect you. You have to understand how it can overwhelm you. So that now you believe, well, I'm not worthy and... All of a sudden, you're off in another direction. We can't let these things affect us. We have to understand that they're ploys. And we have to understand that, yes, in fact, we are fragile and we are susceptible. And it's a process of maturing. Allah forgives. And as we're capable of forgiving others... He's capable. He will forgive us. So we need to have a handle on how this whole thing works and our place in it. We need to believe in the reality of God and the fact that he shows himself constantly. Imagine if your next breath didn't come. That's how intimate he is in the constant 
sustenance of each of our beings. He doesn't let go. We shouldn't let go. Our lower selves is constantly telling us, let go, I've got something else for you. I've got things for you that are wow. Well, <clears throat> you should understand that your wows are limited by your imagination. And Allah is greater than your imagination. So if this is so spectacular, you can't even think about it. Imagine the rewards that are available to you. They're beyond things that you can even imagine. So we have to encourage not only the ones around us, but ourselves to stay on this path because the rewards are there, but we're not there for the rewards. We're there because it's the only truth that there is. And when we realize that, and when we incorporate that into our existence, then we truly become men, and we become examples of the Haq. And then others can also see what we saw, because this has to be continuously passed on. And if you're not going to do it, who's going to do it? You can't constantly leave the work to other people. Allah spread it out for all of us. So we have to get involved. We have to do it. And we have to have appropriate focus. May Allah give us all the strength to be able to carry that. May he give us the will to be able to put ourselves in the place where that can occur. Amen. Assalamu alaikum.